0: What a great truth in that song, huh? It's been a good day today, hasn't it? it? warmed up, heat wave, 40-some degrees out there this afternoon, and what a what a nice day. The snow's melting away, and it's warming up, and I was told that uh, after I leave, it's supposed to be 70 degrees Friday. And uh, wouldn't you know it, I'm going to Michigan. And uh, so so you all need to pray that heat wave. I'll well, head north, that's what I'm praying. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 6 tonight, what a blessing to be with you guys again. I enjoy your services. I, I enjoyed uh, the variety. We sang hymns. We sang bluegrass. And uh, we sang, uh, I guess that's more southern. And I love it. I love a good variety, don't you? And that's great. And the, the, those, uh, just the gospel songs, these newer songs, a lot of them have a lot of meat to them. And I love that. Just uh, what a blessing to be in your church. Sure appreciate, Pastor, and uh, the friendship we've been developing over the last few years. And I just am so grateful that he invites me to come be a part of your church. My sons are ready for the children's revival service. So, boys, if you'll line right here at the exit, boys and girls, if you'd like to go to children's revival service, we normally say fourth grade or fifth grade and younger. Parents will let you kind of decide. And uh, if uh, you got one older than that you want to go, that we're not going to fuss with you about that. But right through that door right there. And I uh, look at those exciting girls. Amen. I wish y'all were that excited to hear me. Amen. That's great. When you bring guests this week, let them know. If you're bringing people with children, let them know that we'll be doing that every night because a lot of times that catches people off guard. And I hope you'll invite folks to our revival services. I am preaching on the home, but we're having revival. So we want people to be saved. We want homes to be helped. And I, I know you know people around here and you know folks from other churches, they need revival, don't they? And so invite folks from other churches. And you know folks who are hurting. you got family members that need a lot of help with their home. And I've found out a lot of people want help, just don't know where to get it. And if you can't get it from the Bible, where in the world are you going to get it? And you sure won't get it on CNN, will you? You're not going to get it on Fox News, but you can get all the help you need in your home from the Word of God. And so be in your place every night. We'll be here through Thursday night at uh, 7 o'clock. I've got it. 7 o'clock I'm going to be here and you look forward to that you pray about it you expect God to work with us he's going to and we're going to just have an incredibly good week did you did you notice yet we put a book table in the lobby did you catch that we want that to be a blessing to you it's out those doors and on your right as you leave the building and I'll be back there look it over at your convenience and uh, and if it can be a blessing to you that's what we want it to be Uh, most of the books are priced on the back some aren't and if it's not got a price on the back, usually they, they do everything these days in, you know, something 95, something 95, 1990, or 395. We normally round it up because I, I just, that nickel's hard to deal with, okay? And uh, so we just round those up, give you an idea. And, and here's, what, here's some of the stuff you'll find on the table. Uh, our friend Paul Chapel from California, Lancaster Baptist Church, wrote Making Homework in a Broken Society. This is a newer book, just a couple of years old, and so it's very up-to-date, very on target. He's a pastor. Wright says, with a pastor's heart, and this will help your home. He just, uh, it's not, these books aren't to beat you up, but they are to lay out biblical principles that work, and they do work, and God wants them to work for you. And so consider getting this. Some people in our generation don't read much anymore. Our cell phones have distracted us, and of course our televisions. But uh, what I'd recommend, if you're not much of a reader, buy one of these books, read one chapter a day. Just one chapter, just read one, get you a bookmarker, uh, get you a church track or, or a piece of paper, read one chapter a day and mark it. And, uh, and if you miss a day, then the next day, pick it up just one chapter at a time. So all you got to read and these books will be a help to you, all right? So there's one, here's another one he wrote and this one's really brand new, just a few weeks old, really, and it's called, Are We There Yet? And uh, this is about marriage. How many of y'all are married? Now, this is a good book on marriage. Our church, our church, our pastor in Milton, Florida, uh, our, our church is going through this one Sunday night a month, my pastor's preaching from this series. And he's got a handout and, and a little assignment every month for the couples in our church. And if you, if, you, if you come to the service and hear the sermon and do the handout and send him a, you know, and, and you've got to post something on Facebook about it so the world knows. And, um, and, all, and if we do it all, the couple that gets the most points at the end of this year gets a one-night-away free gift from the church. And so Bethany and I are trying real hard to win it. So y'all pray for us, and uh, we're working on that. And uh, he's given us a little leeway since we're never home. So uh, he's uh, emailing us the notes and things like that. But this is a great book. It'll help your marriage. And uh, we just need all the help we can get. And those are bigger books, but here's a couple of smaller ones. My wife helped to write a book called uh, from uh, the Vons, Uh, many of you know from the prayer advance, The Extraordinary Woman. And Bethlehem helped to write this one. Quite a few different ladies did. And it's just to be a blessing to you as a lady. So lady, this one's just for you. If you're a husband... This is the Extraordinary Husband, and if you've never gotten a copy of this, gentlemen, you ought to. Uh, I helped to write it. I think I have six chapters in this one. If you'll skip my six chapters, the rest of it's outstanding, and uh, it's on the table, both of these. Let them be a blessing to you, and there's a lot more there than those, but I wanted to give you an idea of what you'd find. Uh, we're going to read beginning in Deuteronomy 6 again, and I'm not going to tonight, for sake of time, read the entire chapter but we're going to be in the entire chapter, and so I hope you'll keep your Bible open. And look in verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land, whether ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son. So maybe you're single, you're in this verse, you're in this chapter. And if you're married and you have kids, then you're certainly in this chapter. And if you're a grandparent and you've got grandkids, then you're in this chapter. He's covering it all. So thou and thy son and thy sons' sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey." Did you catch what he said there? God's plan for you and for your family, your children, your grandchildren, is in verse 3, that it would be well with thee and that you may increase mightily. God's blessings in your life. Uh, Your land would flow with milk and honey, favor and joy and victory and blessings. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want God's blessings in your life? Talk to me. Don't you want that? Don't Don't you want God to use you and bless your children and your grandkids? Isn't that what you want? I, uh, I travel a lot, you know, we're always on the road, and several years ago, I traveled without my family with my evangelist friend, Mike, herself, and we went to a meeting in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, one day, the pastor took the morning off, and he said, we're going to tour a little bit in Charleston, so we went down on the coast, and there was one of those uh, aircraft carriers out there that you could tour, we toured an aircraft carrier out in the bay, And uh, then we went downtown into the Old Market in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, we tried, sampled several of the things unique to that area. They were making baskets down there. We looked at the baskets. And then the pastor took us out to eat at this little restaurant. It was a hole in the wall. You know what I mean by that? Just a hole in the wall. I would never have gone there on my own. But he took me. You know, just by looking. I'm not going to eat there. It looked like a hole in the wall. Graffitied, tiny little place. Looked like a little shack. But he pulled us up in the driveway in the parking lot, and he said, Now, boys, I'm taking you here to eat, guys, because this is a famous restaurant because it was on the Food Network. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Diners, dive-ins, and drive-bys or something, you know, whatever that show is. And so uh, we went in there to eat. They were famous for their uh, waffles and fried chicken. You ever had fried chicken? Well, of course, you're Baptist. Amen. And so I know you've had fried chicken. You've had waffles too, haven't you? But I've never had waffles and fried chicken together in a meal. I'd never heard of that. You know, waffles are just pancakes with abs, you know. Um uh. That's all waffles are. And so uh, they put them together. They had a fried chicken waffle sandwich with peach chutney on it and several other toppings and things. And that just didn't slap me. I didn't know about, you know, a piece of fried chicken between two waffles. But Brother Self got that. I just got the dinner plate. Had two pieces of fried chicken, some waffles, and, and that was their, their, was their signature dish. And uh, that's what we had. They were also famous for their uh, tomato pie. Now, I, I, I like pie. How many of y'all like pie? You want me on the pie? Give me apple pie. Can I get an amen right there? Give me a homemade cherry pie. I'm just homemade crust. God, God's in that. Amen. God is in that. And, uh, and, and yet tomato, I mean, I love tomatoes and I love pie, but tomato pie, didn't, it didn't strike me at all. And so we sat down to eat. This is one of those little restaurants. It was smaller than from the you know the piano there to where an organ would be. It was just a tiny little place to sit. And basically you were sitting by everybody when you sat down. And so the pastor sat across from me, and I sat across from him, and Brother Self was beside of me, and there was a table from where I was seated, just enough room to squeeze between me and this other table. There was a table right there. And while I was eating, this refined Southern lady pulled up in her Lincoln Town car. I mean, she is by herself, but she is dressed, you know, she is dressed up, had her hair all done, and her, you know, her makeup on. She was, she was dressed up, and she was coming out to eat, she got out of her car, and she came in, and she went to the counter, and she ordered tomato pie. Then she came and sat right there. I mean, I could have almost leaned over and, you know, and just bumped her. We were that close. And I just, I don't know, it's a gift I have, I guess. I just talked to everybody. And so I struck up a conversation with this older lady, and I said, is that the tomato pie they're famous for? Oh, she said, yes, it is. And I said, is it any good? Then here's what she said. She said, oh, she said, and, and she said it in her uh, South Carolina accent. She said, it's to die for. It's to die for. Now, I don't know what, overcome, what came over me. I've never done this before. But I said to that lady, I said, can I have a bite? And I'd never met this lady before in my life. The guys I was with about died of embarrassment. Did you Did you just ask this perfect stranger if you could have a bite of her food? And she looked at me. She said, she looked at me. She's a little stunned. And then she said, well, why not? She said, you go get a clean fork. And I'll give you a bite of my tomato pie. So I came back, sure enough, she let me have a bite of it. And just for the record, I just want y'all to know it was to die for. That's good stuff. I'd have it again if I went back. It was good. Now, now take that story and think about this text. Don't you want a bite of this? Don't you want a bite of this? A home that is favored? a life that is blessed by God where your kids are well, your grandkids are well, your family serving the Lord, and your legacy is astonishing. You and I may never drive fancy cars or have a ton of money or live in a fancy house, but if you have a great marriage and you have a great life and God blesses your children and God blesses your grandchildren, you are wealthier than any man and woman alive in this world today. And just for the record, I want a bite of that. And here's what he says. God's plan in this chapter is to bless you. In verse 3, that it may be well with you, that you'll increase mightily, that your land will flow with milk and honey. So here's what I'm preaching to you. Seven vital steps for building a Christian family. Here's what we learned this morning. You can have a Christian family. You can. Anybody here in your situation can have a Christian family if you'll take these seven steps. Now notice, these aren't just, all right, I took them, I'm done. These are a way of living over a lifetime. Does that make sense to you? I can't come into this family revival and correct every issue in your home like this. Sometimes God does a miracle, and when God does a miracle, we just put our hands in the air and say, Amen, Amen, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But you know, most of the time, God works in a process of time. It takes time to build a godly marriage. It takes time to take the steps over and over and over and over. How many of you believe in training children, do you? It takes a lot of time, doesn't it? How many of you try to get your kids to do that, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, no, sir, response to people? How many of you all try to do that? You try to do that? How long does that take you? Long time. How many times in a lifetime will a dad or mom say to their son or daughter, say, yes, sir? Say, yes, sir. Say, yes, sir. Say, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. You got to say it. It's a process of time. Now, God works that way. So these seven steps aren't, you take this step one time and you're there. This is a lifetime process of God working in your life and leading you down the right path so you can have the blessings of God in your life. And step number one we found in this passage was I need to know God fearfully. And step number two, I need to keep God first. And step number three, I need to love God fiercely. Now, here's step four, and this is where we'll start tonight. We're in verses six and seven. Step number four, teach God's Word fervently. Teach God's Word fervently. Now, notice these two verses, verses six and seven. If you got your Bible open, you got your Bible, six and seven. If you got your Bible, say amen. All right, verse six says this. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart... And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Now, now just catch what the Bible says here. I am to teach God's word fervently in my home. Now, nobody here but us, and let's be as honest about this as we can. Is it not obvious in our generation that this is potentially a point of failure? would that be fair to say i'm not even trying to be me it's just we're busy and and now we have televisions in our living room and our bedroom and our kitchen and even sometimes in the bathroom everywhere we go we got our attention and we're wrapped up and we're busy and we're going and we got jobs and we got hobbies and we got responsibilities and we got sports leagues and our world is so complicated that one of the areas that we are failing miserably is in these two verses we don't uh, teach the Word of God fervently. Notice it starts with us. So maybe you're single here tonight. Maybe you're a teenager. You're not married. You don't have a wife. You don't have a husband. But you're in verse 6, aren't you? And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. In other words, how many of you have a Bible or not? Do you have a Bible? Let me see your Bible. you have a Bible? Let me see your Bible. You got a Bible? How many of you have a red Bible? Let me have a red Bible. Everybody ought to have a red Bible. Don't you read your Bible? That'll preach right there, won't it? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Now, look, I, 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 just, I, I think we ought to start with reading it, shouldn't we? Do you read the Bible? Do you read it? Do, do you ever meditate on it? You know, if we're not careful, we just be religious. Well, okay, I'm so religious. Every day I read five chapters. Check that off my list. Ain't I spiritual? But if all I do is read and it makes no difference in my life, then I'm just religious. The Mormons read the Bible every day. Jehovah's Witnesses will read the Bible every day. The Muslims read the Quran every day. You can be religious as religious as long, and it makes no difference in your life. God's word is to be in our heart. Did you catch that? In our heart. Now, what is this word heart? You know this word heart, don't you? It's a Bible word. It's over 900 times in your Bible you'll find the word heart. And it's a hard word to define. We use it. And we understand it by our usage, but it's hard to define. Like, for instance, we'll say, uh, man, I'll tell you right now, that lady is so tender hearted. You know that usage, don't you? Or sometimes we'll say, man, I'll tell you, he's cold hearted. You know, I mean, you know, that cold hearted. I mean, they are cold hearted. Or, hard, boy, that guy is so hard hearted. Now, we're, 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 we're southerners. We're southerners. Southerners have their own usage of that word, bless your heart. Have you noticed you can say anything? If you're from the South and you say it with the right accent, you can say anything as long as you add that phrase to it. You can say, that baby's so ugly, bless its heart. You can say anything. See, we know the word, but the word heart, understand it. The word heart is hard to define because it's a broad word. The word heart in the Bible is is a word that is used by God to describe the sum total of our thinking, our emotions, and our will. So when he says in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, what he means is that the word of God ought to be such a vital, breathing, living part of my life that it affects my thinking, it affects my emotions, And it affects my decisions. In other words, I think the Word of God. I think the Word of God. When the Word of God is in my life and I turn a television on and a beer commercial is on my television, the Word of God speaks to me. Because it's in my mind. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I'm watching a football game. And they turn that camera and they pan over to a view of the cheerleaders dressed inappropriately. In the Word of God, Job 31.1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think on a maid? Look away, look, boys, look away, look down, hide your eyes. Because the Word of God's in our heart. My emotions. You ever met somebody, and, and they, they, they've sold, They've been a worrier for so long. Well, that's just how I am. My spiritual gift is worry. Oh, my, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, what's we going to do? The world's falling apart. Oh, my word. And they worry and worry. You know why? Because the word of God's not controlling the emotions. Is, is that okay? Discouragement, Depression. It, when the word of God is in my heart, it helps me with my emotions. Listen, if you're here tonight and you're always down, oh, I'm just so everything's so bad. You don't know what happened to me, and oh my word, I'm just barely surviving. Because what the Bible says, I don't mean this to be mean. The Bible says you need the word of God in your heart. David battled his emotions. You remember that? David battles his emotions. We learned that from Brother Moore up there at the men's prayer advance. And, and he quoted the passage where David, David talked to himself. You ever talk to yourself? John R. Rice said, I talk to myself because I love to hear what an intelligent man thinks. And he said, I'll even answer myself to find out what an intelligent man says. Now, it's right to talk to yourself biblically because David said, Oh, my soul, why art thou cast down with me? What's wrong with you, David? You're so down. You're so discouraged. And David spoke to himself the Bible. He said to himself, Put your hope in God. Why are you so down, so discouraged, so depressed, so bothered, and so on? Stop that, David. Put your trust in God. God is still on the throne, and all is well. See, the Word of God in your life is to affect your life. It's to affect your thinking, your emotions, and your will. Do you make decisions because the Bible says it? Do you make decisions based on the Bible says So do you read the Bible every day? Do you hide it in your, do you memorize the Bible? You know, Joshua was one of, uh, Joshua in the Bible, he's one of my favorite characters. My oldest son is Joshua, named after Joshua in the Bible. Joshua's following the greatest leader in the history of the world. Steve Jobs, Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, they have nothing on Moses. Moses was an incredible leader, mightily, mightily led. What an incredible man, and his successor is Joseph, and Joseph scared to death. How can I lead this entire nation? I don't have a clue. I don't know what I'm doing, and God said, Joseph, uh, Joshua, right, I'm going to help you. I'm going to tell you how you can lead this nation, and in Joshua 1.8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You boys in this room want to learn how to be a good leader? I mean, buy a John Maxwell book. God bless you, read it. Nothing wrong with reading good books. But if you read every John Maxwell book that's ever been written and don't hide the Word of God in your heart, you won't be the leader God wants you to be. That's a good line right there. You ought to tweet that. That's a good line. It's the truth. truth. You you gotta have God's word and you're you, I'm not you. Now before we get to the family, it's gotta start with us. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When's the last time you memorized a verse to help you be a better Christian? Not because you were trying to get a prize or because you went to school, to a Christian school and had to memorize it, or you were homeschooled and had to get a grade on it, but because you needed God's help in your life, you memorized a verse. Well, the Bible says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The Bible says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You need the Bible in your life. Why, Daddy, you may not know how to raise a family. You may not know how to discipline your children. You may not know how to start a family altar. But you can get the Bible out every day and hide God's Word in your heart, and God will start working in your life and in your home as you apply the Word of God as you're learning it to your life. It works. This is no ordinary book. This is the word of God. It's alive. It's powerful. It'll direct you. It'll change you. It'll grow you. It'll lead you. It'll guide you. And once you start learning the Bible, here's all you got to do to have a godly family. You got to start, start teaching God's word fervently to your children. Here's how he says it. I love it. It's so simple. Teach them diligently. You all know that word diligently? You all know that word, don't you? How I many of you ever gone to a restaurant? You ever gone to a restaurant where the guy waiting on you wasn't very diligent? It's frustrating, isn't it? You, you, ever, you, ever, you ever worked with somebody who was a lazy bum? Everybody's affected by it, aren't they? Diligence matters. And the Bible says you're to teach your children diligently the Bible. I looked up that word, and uh, here's the definitions. In the, in the Hebrew Bible... That word diligent means to point. Watch this. This is beautiful. It means to point. So you're watching television with your kids, and there comes a beer comer. Here, what you do? You point to the Bible. Kids, that's wrong. Look, look, look. This is what the Bible. Point to the Bible. Diligently is point, point. You can do that. You're driving down the freeway, and there is an immodestly dressed lady on a billboard. What you do? You point. You point to the Bible. You can see that word, can't you? How many times in our life do you and I go through our Christian homes and never point our children to the Bible? The beer commercial comes on. We just run with it. Dilly, dilly. We laugh about it. Isn't that hilarious? Dilly, 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 dilly. And we have a big time with it. And we're failing. I don't know that it's wrong to chuckle at something funny. I'm not trying to be stupid tonight. But if I'm training my kids, I've got to point them. Point them. Point them to the truth. Point them. We live our house in Milton, Florida. They go to church or to go to town. Go down to the interstate. Turn right. we got about five miles. We'll cross the Escambia Bay and we're in Pensacola. You leave our house. The next exit over, just as you, we come around a curve like this, when you come around that curve to go up over a bridge at that exit, there's a billboard advertising a, a, a shop down on the beach. And the lady on that billboard's dressed in ways that a guy shouldn't look at her. So we're driving along. We're not on the internet. We're just on the highway. We're not in an adult bookstore. We're just on the highway. There she is. There she is. So we point, literally. Bible says, Bible says, dial 311, make a covenant with your eyes. Over there's the Red Roof Inn. Say, boys, look at that Red Roof Inn sign. Look at that. Look at that Red Roof Inn. Isn't that beautiful Red Roof Inn? It's one of the nicest Red Roof inns you've ever seen, isn't it? And we go right by that billboard looking at that Red Roof Inn sign with a clean heart. See, we're pointing to the Bible. It, it, diligent means to point. You got that picture? It has two other definitions, too. And I, I found these interesting. It means to pierce. The word diligent means to pierce. It also means to wet. In other words, one of the jobs I have to do with my children is is to pierce their thinking with the Bible. And I have to wet their appetite for the Bible. If you and I aren't careful, here's what we do in our Christian homes. We give our children an appetite. We wet their appetite for all kinds of things that are not valuable and in fact can be damaging. If all we give them is a steady diet for all the things of this world, they love Hollywood, and they love all the sports teams, but they have no desire for pleasing God, honoring God, loving God, serving God, doing what a Christian ought to do, then you and I as parents are failing. we got to whet their appetite for the things of God, and we got to pierce. got Pierce has the idea that we plant the Word of God so deeply into their heart that when I'm not there, the Word of God is like an arrow. It'll sting them. I saw that in playing tennis. I love tennis. And my tennis coach years ago was a guy named Lou Martuniak, and he was a stickler for the rules. Now, if you ever played tennis, tennis court is set up, and you get two serves to your opponent. You've probably seen this on TV if you're watching tennis on TV. And the person serving the ball throws it up, and they serve. If the ball hits the net and is laying on the court out of play, it's called a dead ball. By the social rules of tennis, it's wrong to play tennis with a dead ball on the court. Now, if you're a professional and you watch it on TV, here's what you see. They serve the ball, dead ball on the court. Here comes this little hired person, runs out on the court, scoops up that ball, and runs back over and sits down on the side of the court waiting for the next dead ball. Well, I don't have a runner. And I'm 48. So I still play tennis. I play tennis. I love tennis. I'll get on the court. And I'll serve it. Hits the net up there. It's laying up there at the net. I'm not even sure I'm going to get up to that net. There's no chance I'm going to step on it and twist my ankle. I'm not going up there. I'm going to stay right back here. And unless I, if I can help it at all, I'm going to win my point back here where I have to move as, less, as, as little as possible. So I've, I've served it. Now there's a dead ball up there. And I step back there to the, to the line, I'm going to serve this second serve, and I can't do it. You want to know why? Because there's something that pierces my thinking. And it's the voice of Coach Martuniak. I stand back down that line and I hear this voice. Pick up the ball. If he said that once, he said it a thousand times. Pick up the ball. I'm back here getting ready to serve. I haven't seen that man 25 years or longer. And he's talking to me. Pick up the Okay, fine. I'll walk up here and pick up the dumb ball and bring it back here and put it in my pocket so that I can serve by the rules. Now, that's a silly illustration. But there's going to come a day in my life and in your life when our children won't be there for us to stop them. But if I've planted God's Word in their life, the Word of God will pierce them. The Word of God will talk to them. That's our job. How in the world do you do that as a parent? Well, here's what the Bible says. You talk about it when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking through life, when you're going to bed, when you're getting out of the bed. You just talk about it. Now, you can do it formally. There's not a thing wrong with having formal daily devotionals. We've done that in our family. We always have a prayer every night together. And many times in our prayer time, we'll quote a verse. We'll memorize a verse. We'll, we've read through the Proverbs together as a family. We've read Genesis together as a family. We, we've, we've quoted our favorite verses together as a family. We've done that all kinds of ways formally. You know, you can sit them down and do that, and if that's what God wants. Do it. It's not a thing wrong with that. Get your kids. Sit them down. Say, all right, we're going to have family. We're going to learn the Bible. Get your podium if you want to. We're Baptists. Take them an offering. And do whatever you got. Sing "Amazing Grace." Go for it. Do it formally. But here's what the Bible says: It. The Bible says, when you're walking through life, talk about my word. And when you're going to bed, talk about my word. And when you're getting out of bed, talk about my word. And when you're just sitting around, and 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 what, just talk about my word. So you're watching television. Let's go back. You're sitting in your living room in your big old lazy boy recliner, and you're watching television, and all of a sudden, there's that cheerleader, that football game dressed in a way she ought to know better than to dress that way. Where's her daddy? Man, my my daughter, I wouldn't let her wear that in front of 5, 10, 15, 25,000 guys. Apparently her daddy didn't care. But now I'm in my home, and I'm to care. So I teach my boys, sitting in the house, like Andy Griffith. You ever watch Andy Griffith? Is that not spiritual? Come on, say amen right there. Andy Griffith, we were watching one night. The door of the jail opened, and staggered Otis. Bless his heart. Locked himself in a jail cell to keep from hurting somebody when he was drunk. Just like every other drunk I know. You with me? That's just entertainment. That's not life. It's a good time to teach. Hey, kid, that's funny right there. But there's not a drunk in the world that locks himself in a jail cell. He'll go home and beat up his wife. He'll go home and abuse his children. He'll say things when he's drunk he wouldn't say when he's sober. He'll treat a lady disrespectfully, and he wouldn't do that if he weren't drunk. Time to teach. It's time to teach. You're out driving down the highway, and there's something happening that's garbage. somebody got a bumper sticker that's garbage. Time to teach. You're sitting at a ball game, and somebody's, somebody near you is cussing like I said. Time to teach. When you're walking through life, and maybe just not taking opportunities. We look for opportunities. Like we love the night sky. you all like the night sky? I love the stars. Y'all are country people, aren't you? Country people have one up on city people because you actually see the stars. I love Cassiopeia and Orion and Orion's Belt and Leo and the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and Betelgeuse and the Morning Star and the Evening Star and the North Star. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the sky. So my kids were younger. We memorized a verse. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth the speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no voice nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. We just memorized that chapter together so that when we walk outside, our kids, my kids have kind of gotten my, they've picked up on my love for the sky and the stars, and we'll say that verse. The heavens declare the glory of God. Would you look at the glory of God tonight? What are we doing? We're teaching. That's all. You say, Dave, I've never been to Bible college. I'm not a a traveling pastor, evangelist, on how to raise a family. You may not be, but you can do that. You can talk the Word of God. You can live the Word of God. You can love the Word of God. You can explain the Word of God. And all you got to do as you're walking through life, as you're sitting in your house, when you're sitting at the table, you take every opportunity you can find to say, Thus saith the Bible. Thus saith the Bible. Thus saith the Bible. Thus saith the Bible. I'm telling you, every mom and dad and son and daughter and brother and sister and grandfather and grandmother can teach God's Word fervently. And you should. He even says here, put it up in your house. Make sure you've got Bibles, verses all over the place. Write them on the walls of your house and on the back of your hand and hang it down between your eyes and put it up on your gates and put it up on the doorposts. Just make the Word of God a living, breathing, vital part of your life. Three more things i got to tell you, and I'll close. That was the long one. Say amen right there. Here's number five. Seven vital steps for building a Christian family. The the, the fifth one is simply this. Verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, I would say to you, enjoy God's blessings frugally. In verse 10, he talks about there's going to come a day in your life when you're going to have a great and goodly city that you didn't build. And you're going to live in a house that is full of good things that you didn't fill. And wells, you're going to have water running, and you didn't even dig that well. And you're going to eat vineyards and olive trees, and you didn't even plant them. And you are going to eat, and you're going to be full. And verse 12 says, when that happens in your life, you beware, or you will forget the Lord. Now you stop and think about that for just a moment. Is that not our generation? Deuteronomy 6 startles me that it is so close to where we live. We are so crazy blessed that we don't need the Lord anymore. We don't need the Lord. And it's led me to say what apparently Moses wants us to learn here is that we ought to enjoy God's blessings frugally. We ought to be more frugal than we are. We ought to live simply. You younger parents, let me give you a piece of just some simple advice. Buy a smaller house. Simplify. Don't go head over heels in debt for five bedrooms and three baths. You can survive without it and you'll be happier. Say, we got so much stuff, I got to have it. Get rid of your stuff. Have a good old-fashioned yard sale. Invite me. I love yard sales. I'll come. Settle down. Simplify. Simplify. Buy an older car. You could survive without a brand new one. Do you know that? You could. You know what I know about every new car? It gets old. Without exception. New cars don't last long. You got kids? They even last shorter. They'll put crackers in your seat. Handprints on your windows. Sometimes bodily fluids in your floorboard. Is that right or wrong? Buy an older car and be out of debt. You may have to go in debt to have a house. I understand that. But you might could save up and just pay cash for a car and have to be able to work less hours. Because here's what he says. When you go so wrapped up in houses and, and you're full and you're eating and you're living it up and you've got all kinds of stuff, there's a danger you'll forget the Lord. Slow down! simplify and live frugally so you can enjoy the Lord. Have less debt. Some of you are working too hard to pay for that fancy house you got. Put it on the market and get a smaller one. You'll be glad you did. You will. Simplify it down. We got five kids, three bedroom, two bath house. Before we bought that house, we were full-time in that RV for 16 years. We're proof that you can have five kids, a husband and a wife and a golden retriever in a 40-foot long trailer with two bedrooms and one bath because we did it for 16 years and we did it happily kids had one room, one room one and they were fine we were careful the girls had to go change up here while the boys changed back there and switch it around We were careful, we were wise, but our kids loved it. They loved it so much that one of our best friends when we lived in Ohio was Dr. Brad Fowle, one of Ohio's leading pediatricians. He's got a house, massive, in-ground saltwater pool, beautiful two-story, state-of-the-art everything. He has five kids, I have five kids. We lived in Ohio on one Saturday, his kids and my kids spent a whole day together playing, having a big time. The next morning, I saw Dr. Fowler at church, and he said, well, thanks a lot, Dave Young. And I said, you're welcome. For what? And he said, my kids all called a family meeting last night and asked if we could sell our house and move into an RV so we could be like the Youngs. Now, I think God let that happen in my life to encourage me. I think he did. And it did encourage me. My kids were happy in a 40-foot RV. You know why? Because there was less stress in our life. We weren't worried about finances. We found out years ago there's two ways to survive as an evangelist. Make so much money, it doesn't matter what you spend. Or spend so little, it doesn't matter what you make. And we tried to live that way so we could stay on the road and do God's calling for our life. I'm just saying to you tonight, here's a lesson about how to build a Christian family. Enjoy God's blessings frugally. Live simply. Maybe, Mom, you guys could sell the house and you could stay home with the kids, especially while they're younger. Maybe you could. I know, I know that sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm from a whole different planet. But there's something special about a a mom that can stay home with her kids and be there to train them and love them and pray with them and prepare meals for them. Where the housework is all done when daddy comes home, you get a meal together as a family and you got time to sit and talk, relax, and have a happy marriage. Time to pray with your kids, to laugh with them, to play ball with them, to talk to them. Live frugally. Does that make sense? Two more steps. Step number six, serve God faithfully. That's in verse 18, isn't it? Thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee. Thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers. Just serve God faithfully. Do right. Do right. Do what's good. Honor the Lord. Let it be well with you. Go in and serve the Lord. Serve the Lord and do it faithfully. Daddy, are you serving God? Mom, are you serving God? Are you, are you sold out to God? Is God first in your life? Have you given your body to the Lord? Are you pleasing God? Are you pursuing God? Are you faithful to God? Do you have your devotions? Do you have a prayer life? Are you soul winning? Do you ever give out a track? Are you serving God? Step number six, serve God faithfully. And step number seven, is in the last paragraph of this chapter, and it's verses 20 through 25, and notice what he says in verse 20. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what, uh, what's this all about? What, what, what mean the testimonies and the statutes? What in the world is this all about? What what mean these judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded thee? Verse 21 is interesting. When your son says to you, why in the world do we have this law? And why do we live this way? And why in the world do we have all these commands in our life? Why, Daddy, why? Here's what he said, you tell him. In verse 21, thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and showed signs and wonders, great and sore. And He brought us out in verse 23 that He might bring us in, and so forth and so forth. You know what the Bible lesson right there is? Tell, tell the old, old story frequently, tell the old, old story a lot. Your kids ought to say, Daddy, why do we go to church all why do we go to church all the time? And here's how you answer that. You say, because one day I was a sinner on the road to hell. And I heard about a Savior named Jesus Christ. He died for my sins, was buried, was raised from the dead. And I turned to Jesus Christ. And he saved me from sin and hell and gave me peace and joy and victory and power. And I'm telling you, living for him has been the greatest thing I have ever done in my life. And that's why we go to church. Tell the old, old story. Tell it a lot. Your kid's going to come to you and they're going to say, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Why can't we watch that movie, Daddy? Why why can't we watch that movie? Everybody else is. Oh, because um, there was a day I was on the road to hell. I was a sinner, And Jesus came into my life and rescued me from sin. And I'm on my way to heaven now. We're a Christian family. We know the Lord and God has saved us, brought us out of the uh, the sinful life of Egypt, rescued us from sin, rescued us from hell, rescued us from judgment. We are now children of God, marching towards heaven. And Almighty God is good and he's wonderful and he blesses us when we do what's right here's what you do as a dad and mom you tell the old old story and you tell it frequently remind your kids all the time I was a sinner and God saved me we were on the road to hell and now we're on the road to heaven God saved us we're different we're changed and I'm telling you moms and dads that'll help you build a Christian home when's the last time you told the story when's the last time Some of you are so busy, your kids haven't had time to ask you a question in years. Slow down. They're going to ask. Enjoy a Christian family. We laugh all the time as a family. We talk all the time and love it. My Matthew's our funny one, but he's the one that asks me the most questions. Sometimes he'll hang around, and I've learned to wait for it. I can tell there's something stirring in his little heart. And sometimes you'll say, Daddy, I want to ask you something. With my daughter, I've learned, if it's my daughter, stop everything, look at her eyeball to eyeball. She wants Daddy's attention. With my sons, just keep on working and listen. They don't like you to look at them. They, 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 like, they like, my daughter, sit down across the table, look at her, listen to her, feel her emotion, get her heart, let her know that you are all ears and all eyes. But with my son, it's a different. We talk a lot in the truck. I'll be driving, he's sitting over there or at night. In the darkness, I'll be somewhere in a motel room with him. And Daddy, I want to ask you some. That's just how my boys are. I'll just keep working. I'm cutting down a tree and I'm chopping wood. I'll just keep chopping wood while he asks. He'll ask me questions. Daddy, why, why, why don't we, why don't you, why don't you let us do this? Why don't, why don't you let me wear that? Why do we have to go to church on Sunday night The Bible doesn't say thou shalt go to churches on Sunday night it? Just... so why do we go on Sunday night daddy valid questions and I've I've learned in Deuteronomy here's what you do you just tell the old old story son I was I was on my way to hell Jesus saved me gave me peace joy and victory and I don't do everything right. But what I do, I'm doing because I'm trying to please Him. Because I want His blessing, His favor, His joy, His power, His victory, His gifts. You just tell the old old story. Do you get the idea in Deuteronomy 6 that nobody has a happy Christian family by accident? Do y'all get that idea? You do it by steps. And here's seven of them. In one of the greatest chapters on the home that you'll ever read, I'll read it every day this week. Know God fearfully, keep God first, love God fiercely, teach God's word fervently, enjoy God's blessings frugally, serve God faithfully, and tell the old, old story frequently. Is that simple? I suppose tonight, the biggest way I'd give an invitation is to say this. How many of you would say, you know, Brother Young, that point about God's word and my own life convicted me. Would that be true in some of us tonight? You're as saved as I am, but you don't memorize the Bible. You don't even read it every day. And it's time you have revival and you can have it tonight make a commitment to God, I'll start learning your word and reading it every day and meditating on it. You can do that. You can do that. And, and then secondly, secondly, don't most of us tonight need to pray about God's word in our homes? Notice, I didn't say to you tonight it's wrong to have a TV. I didn't say that at all. But if you're going to watch TV, you better teach. Did you catch that? I'm not telling you what you can and can't do. I'm just saying you've got to take God's word and apply it to where you live. Because you want, don't you want a bite of that? Lord, can I have a bite of that? Can I have a home that's blessed and favored? And man, where you're there and my kids are growing. And oh God, can I have a bite of that? And Deuteronomy 6 says, yes, you can. Get a clean fork. And brothers and sisters, you get started. Because God wants you to have a happy home. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to preach to you in this auditorium. I'll talk to you at least one night about how to have an incredible marriage, about how to train your children. I'll talk to you about how to be the Christian you ought to be so that you can influence your family to be the Christian they ought to be. I hope you'll be in every service. If I give an invitation tonight, would you kneel for prayer and pray about your relationship to God and His Word in your life? Would you consider what maybe you should change so you can simplify your life and enjoy God's blessings? Would you make some, some of your grandfathers, would you make a commitment to spend some time with your grandkids so you can tell them the old, old story? Some of your grandmothers, have your granddaughter over and teach her how to cook and tell her the old, old story. Amen. Take your grandson fishing, tell him the old, old story. Take him hunting. Telling the old, old story. Spend time with them. Your children, your grandchildren need you. Father, as we go to prayer, speak to us, convict us, challenge us, and change us, I pray. Help our homes, our families, our children, our grandchildren. Help us, Lord, I pray. Our heads are about across the building. How many of you young people, Singles, You young people, you singles would say, Dave, God spoke to me tonight about his word in my life. God spoke to me about that tonight. How many of you would say that's true in your life? Let me see your hand if you're a teenager or a single. Let me see your hand. God bless all of you. See, God wants to speak to you as well. How many of you are married tonight? You'd say, Dave, God spoke to me. God spoke to me about his word in my life. I'm married and God spoke to me about his word in my life. Let me see your hand tonight. Let I see your hand. This will double some of you. How many of you would say in our home with our children and our grandchildren? God spoke to me about his word in our homes and in our, with our grandchildren. God spoke to me about that. Raise your hand. Let me see it, would you? Then we obviously ought to pray. We obviously ought to pray. We're going to have an invitation. It's just a, a quarter after. It's time to go. I, I'm trying to be wise about time. 15 after, 16, 17, 18 after. I want to be done. But we ought to pray before we go. Do you ever kneel? If you can physically kneel, would you consider kneeling in this service? I don't care if you make an altar at your seat or make an altar here at the front. But if you can kneel, would you kneel? Because God spoke to you, would you? And if you're not able to kneel, the rest of us will stand. You, you just stay seated and pray. When you're done praying, then you join us and you stand. And that's how we'll know we're done. Let's all stand together. If you're going to kneel, do it right now. And uh, if you're going to stay seated and pray, then stay seated. But Bethle's playing, and we'll take a few moments to turn to the Lord, to seek the Lord. Just tell the old, old story. That's all you got to do. You got to emphasize the Bible. That's what you got to do. Memorize it, meditate on it, learn it, live it. Live it. That's all you got to do. Some of you young couples need to get together and talk about your finances so you can simplify and slow down for the sake of your children. Maybe just for the sake of your marriage, you need to slow down and simplify. Simplify. This will be our last verse. I don't want you to leave discouraged tonight. I want you to leave encouraged. Believing. Leave tonight with faith in your heart that God is able to help your home and family. This is so simple, you can do it. It'll take time but you can do it. The Spirit of God will help you if you'll let Him. Thank you, sweetheart. Amen. Amen. Leave believing, will you? Leave believing. Bring somebody with you. We'll we'll be here tomorrow night, Tuesday, Wednesday. I know you got school, work. Uh, come in your work clothes if you have to. Just come on. I'll wear mine. And uh, just come on in. We're not bothered by how you dress. Come on to the service. And open your heart. Let the Lord work in your life. I know the... The bluegrass group's going to sing tomorrow night. If you don't like me, come for them. If you don't like them, come for me. If you don't like either one of us, come for Pastor. And if you don't like any of us, come for Jesus. Amen. Be in your place. Bring somebody with you. Let's expect the Lord to do some great things. Hey, Bethlehem and I aren't experts. Don't you be intimidated by us. Some some people, you know, hate to be around me with their kids because I preach on raising kids. And they're like... Yep, next week my kids will be his illustration. (laughs) We're not experts. We're raising kids just like you, and kids are kids are kids are kids, and if we don't train them, they'll all be a mess, right? And So don't be intimidated. If we can help you, if we can pray for you, if we can pray with you, well, you feel free to speak to us. My wife's name is Beth Lee, Beth Lee. You just say, Beth Lee, can I talk with you? Ladies, she's available. Say, Dave, can I talk to you? I'll, 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 if I can help you and serve you, I want to do it. We're honored to be here. We're looking forward to a great week, and uh, we're excited about it. And praise God, it's going to warm up. Amen. Amen. Well, are you happy in Jesus? Amen. Me too. Okay, Pastor. My brother, you close us. All
1: right. I may have got some help tonight. Amen. I certainly did. Praise the Lord for that. Can I, can I challenge you this? Uh, uh, of course... Put these steps in your life, and remember, it's going to take some work. It's not an overnight. It's not. We want that, as he said this morning. We want that microwave fix it right now. Take the magic pill, lose fifty pounds tomorrow. You know that type thing. And but steps. But listen, here's the thing: you don't get to step number seven until you do step number one. So don't get intimidated by seven steps. Just do step one. And you get step one done. Guess what? Now I can move on to step two. Now I can move on to step three. Don't get overwhelmed with the big picture because there's seven steps clearly from the word of God how we can have better families. Y'all see it right in the word of God? I saw it. Every one of them I saw it right there in the word of God. And if you believe the word of God, right there's the answer. And we got the answer. He delivered it clear, understandably. My, 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 my exhortation to you tonight is simply this. Don't get overwhelmed by seven steps. Sometimes it overwhelms us, doesn't it? Start step one. You can't get to step seven until you've done step one. Start step one. And then take step seven outside your family as well. Amen. Let's tell some other people about the old, old story. Would you grab a track tonight on your way out? Can I, can I encourage you to do that? Grab a track on your way out tonight. and Give somebody somewhere tomorrow, tonight, a track. I don't care if you hand it to them and run. <laughs> Just <laughs> give them a track. Amen. Let's tell some people about the old, old story. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, just again for the just the the good Bible message, Lord, with practical application, we can put right to use in our homes and Lord I believe as as brother preached if we put these seven steps into practice in our lives, lord we would Lord, we could change this community, we could change not only our homes but this church, this community and and Lord, we'd be help, happier and more blessed and lord just uh, the promises that come with just putting you first. Lord, they're more than we could ever expect, and Lord, I just thank you for it, and I pray now we take step one, or maybe we got step one handled, but we we move on to the next step, step two, and Lord, we just start these building steps into making families, Lord, that please God. Lord, we pray now that you dismiss us with your blessing, look forward already to tomorrow night, Lord, what you have in store for us, and, and I pray, Lord, uh, thank you for the good attendance tonight, Lord, but I pray folks would just... Clear their schedules. Figure out a way to be here. I don't care, as the brother said. How you come? Just come. Just come. Hey, if you got to show up a little late, show up a little late. Just come on in, Lord. Because I believe you got something that's going to help us all this week. God, help our families. Bless our families. Put a hedge of protection around us tonight. Where we look forward to coming back tomorrow to worshiping you once again in truth and spirit. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.